0: Alrighty. That's great. That is great. Good to be with you today. And, uh, wow, that makes it real easy, right? That's good stuff. Uh, uh, We uh, began a series last week here on Sunday mornings. We're uh, having the summer of love here at Smoke Rise. It's the summer of love, and so we're talking all about love. And uh, we began last week uh, with this, and we talked about loving God. And uh, today we're going to begin to even break this down uh, into a more uh, specific uh, vertical type thing where we begin to love one another as well. Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 12, and uh, we're going to read this as our sort of our theme passage. It's well known to you, no doubt about it. It's in the, all four Gospels, but we're reading the Mark version. Uh, a, uh, a scribe, a lawyer, a, uh, an expert in the law came to Jesus. He was wanting to sort of uh, confuse Jesus, trick him, get him to say something that would be condemning uh, before the religious uh, leaders and uh, he come to him and said in uh, verse 28 uh, in, uh verse uh, 28 which is the first and greatest commandment of all now this is a gentleman who is an expert in the law of course and he's wanting to uh, to trap him and uh, there's 39 books in the old testament 929 chapters 23,214 verses 593,493 words and uh, this man was an expert in the Torah And he asked, which is the greatest commandment? Pretty good question. And Jesus gave an answer that really blew him away. He harkened back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, right into the verses that they were to be experts upon, and said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. They lived in a pluralistic society where they worshipped many gods. But there is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And that's what we talked about last week. Loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We talked about loving God. But then he goes on and says that this is the first commandment, but the second. So he says, what's the greatest? He says, I can't give you one without giving the other. The second commandment, like it, is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there are no greater commandments than this. So Jesus said the greatest commandment is love. It's to love God, and then it's to love others, and then it's to love yourself. And last Sunday, we talked about loving God. Uh, Today, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about loving others. We're going to talk about loving our neighbor, and that can be fleshed out in a lot of different ways. Today, we're going to talk about loving your spouse. Uh, We're going to talk next week on Father's Day, a little broader in family, about loving your family. Uh, So I encourage you to be here for Father's Day uh, next week. And then after that, we're going to talk about uh, even loving your enemies and uh, other people out there as well. We're going to begin to sort of break this down and really make it practical for you. I hope uh, we have said that to live well, you must love well. Let's say that together: to live well, you must love well, and that is true. There is no good life without love. We were we were created to love and to be loved, God. Created that inside of us. That's put there by him. And I don't think there's any other place of human relationships where God designed marriage to be any more powerful or any more intimate, uh, an expression of love, than in the marriage relationship. Now, some of you may be tempted to check out on this today and go, he's talking about marriage, he's talking about spouse. You may be tempted to check out. Well, some of you, uh, this will encourage you because you've lived this out for many, many years. But it never hurts to sort of hear it and to encourage us that maybe we've done some things well. For some of us, this is exactly where we are. I've been married 23 years. Uh, My wife's been here with me several Sundays when I've been able to be here. My wife Sandy. We've got two kids. And so I'm right there with it. You know what I mean? Living this out uh, each and every day. And then for some of you that are not married, you will be married soon. There'll come a point in your life where you will be married. So for our students, our college, our professionals, our young, even some who maybe will be moving into a a second marriage, uh, we will be married, and this will become applicable in your life. So today I hope that everybody will sort of tune in here and understand how it is that we love our spouse. According to Pew Research, uh, they ask, what was the most important reason to get married? The top response... The top response, 88% of those asked "Why? what was the most important reason to get married was love. 88%. I think this message is very relevant to us. Uh, what, 76% compa- cited companionship. And that's also a very important reason to, uh, to be married as well. Marriage is sort of like a deck of cards. In the beginning, you have two hearts and a diamond. Right, guys? <laughs> you have a diamond. <laughs> and at the end... You just wish you had a club and a spade sometimes it turns out that way marriage is sort of a funny thing i hope today though that we can um, uh, begin to look at marriage in, in a new way uh, a marriage to hold together a marriage where we can be where happiness can take place where honoring god is uh, is is in the mix of that um, because a loveless marriage is a lifeless marriage and that's and that's dead lifeless is dead loveless is lifeless and so when you talk about marriage, most, most people don't have any problem understanding falling in love. That's not in really the context of what we're talking about today. Today we want to talk about staying in love. What does it mean? What is love? And what does it mean? Some children were asked, what does love mean? And our, we could have got answers like this here today with these children that were here. Uh, listen to some of these answers. It, it, our definition of love changes over time. Uh, Rebecca, age 8, said, when, love is when my grandmother got arthritis. She couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather my grandfather does it for her all the time, even though his hands have arthritis too. That's love. Uh, love is when you go to eat and give somebody uh, most of your french fries without them making them give, any, give you any of theirs. Uh, Chrissy, age 8. Danny, age 7, says love is when mommy makes coffee for daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. See, this is love personified. Uh, Emily said, uh, love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. (laughs) I bet we could have got some great answers this morning. We should have done that. Some of y'all could have had a lot of fun. Uh, Your kids could have told on you. Um, Bethany, age four, said, I let my big sister pick on me because my mom says she only picks on me because she loves me. So I pick on my baby sister because I love her. (laughs) So, uh, you know, love changes over the time. But I want to talk today about the kind of love that is given by God, that comes from God. Not just how to fall in love, but but actually how to stay in love. Because unfortunately, I'm like you, and as a minister, maybe even more so, uh, that I I, I hear of people and uh, people come to me uh, having trouble in their marriage. Uh, It can be in the church, it can be outside the church. Sometimes people that aren't in church or not involved in church, when they have a problem in their marriage, that's a time when they will turn to the church. They'll turn to a pastor. Uh, I'm not much of a counselor. Uh, I, I tell people I don't even go to myself for counseling. All right. So, uh, But I, I can try to help point people in the right direction. Um, but it is discouraging many times to hear how many marriages are struggling and losing the battle and sinking into what seems to be a hopeless situation. Uh, so how do... How do we stay in love? We fall in love, but what about staying in love? How do we love our spouse? So today, over the next few minutes, I'm going to talk to the husbands and then talk to the wives. Real simple. And uh, there's really no other context to do this biblically, to talk about marriage, but to talk to the men, the husband, and talk to the, to the, uh, to the woman, to the wife. That's our context. Uh, the Bible addresses marriage in no other way except that. Husbands and wives. Uh, one man and one woman, so let's talk about it. Let's talk to the men first, all right? First of all, in your notes today, husbands, I want to talk to you today about showing love to your wife, letting your wife know your love, and here's how you do it. You do it sacrificially. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Ephesians 5.25 is is our basis for this, one basis, where Paul said, husbands, you know this verse, many of you do, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave, that's a sacrifice, gave himself up for her. That's how we're instructed. That's why I say I don't think there's any other expression of love so closely aligned uh, and and intimate than, than marriage. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, like Christ loves us and gave himself. Jesus has set the example for us to follow. And the first place he wants us to put this into, into practice is in marriage. The Bible compares Christ's relationship for the church directly to the relationship of a husband and wife. And as we examine Jesus, if we're to love our wives, men, as Christ loved the church, then we discover exactly what we're to do for our, our spouse to see Christ in us. Now this is a, an agape type love. There's several different words in the biblical language for love, and you've heard many of those. But this is an agape-type love. It's a love that's unconditional. It's a love that's sacrificial is what that means. Uh, And we'll talk about some of the other types of love in other messages, but this is a, a sacrificial love. And listen, never has anyone shown us what love looks like more so than Christ. When he sacrificed for all mankind... On a Roman cross, never. It was the ultimate sacrifice. I believe that the Father in heaven was looking out over time, and he looked out over time and he saw let's just say he saw me." And he said, "There's Greg. He, he's just a young little boy living right there in corner of Alabama. And he said, "He's a sinner." He has separated himself from me because of his sins. And he has no hope. He has no chance of reconciling himself to me. No no hope at all. He, He can't be good enough. There's nothing he can do to reconcile himself for me. And I believe the father began to look out over time and see me. And at that time, his only son, Jesus, stepped up and said, You know what, father? I'll go for him. I'll go and pay a penalty for his sin that he owes. And I'll die for him. I'll sacrifice for him. I'll give up all the splendors of heaven and go to earth and be a man and sacrifice for him. I'll do that and I'll go and I'll do it just for Greg because he's worth it. He's worth it. Now that's great for me. makes me feel great. But guess what? The same is true for every one of you. Every last one of you. God looked out over time and he saw you. And he saw you at your lowest moment, at that time when you had broken the heart of God, disappointed the Heavenly Father the very most. He looked out over time. He sees you, and he says, I'll go, and I'll sacrifice for you. That's what Jesus did. It was a sacrifice because we were worth it. Now, husbands, we can't duplicate the love of Christ. Uh, We we can't duplicate it, uh, but we can imitate it. We can imitate this love in the marriage relationship. In fact, we're told to. See, sacrifice says, it's in your notes. It says, you are worth it. And men, when we sacrifice for our wives, we tell them that they are worth it. And we tell them that they are, here's the word, valuable. That they are so valuable. John 15, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down or give up one's life for one's friends. To give up. To to lay it aside. Now, Christ sacrificed his life. And if a point came where you needed to, men, we needed to sacrifice our lives for our wives, I'm sure many would. But we don't have to always think about sacrificing our life. You see, there's other ways to sacrifice as well. Be willing to, to, to give up. For your wife, be willing to give up something that you would prefer and sacrifice that for your wife. Be willing to um, not do something you would like and do something they would like. That's sacrifice, simple sacrifice. They don't overcomplicate it. Um, uh, sacrifice your want, sacrifice your desire, sacrifice many times, even sometimes, your own needs and put your wife's needs above yours. You see, love requires sacrifice, a sacrifice of time. A sacrifice of personal preference many times a sacrifice of both but oftentimes what happens in a marriage is that uh, both the man and the woman are both trying to be first and a man says puts their needs above their wives needs and they put themselves first and it doesn't work that way we have to put them first we sacrifice see what was best for jesus was to stay in heaven. He didn't have to come and do that, but he chose to. He sacrificed and chose to do that. So we sacrifice to meet the needs of our wife. Now, let me share with you a couple of fears that women have, and then we'll share some fears that men have as well in just a moment. Here's some fears and and how our sacrifice can help with those fears that our wives may have or your future wife may have. I've got my 18-year-old son sitting here. He's listening to this. I want him to know this one day when he's married. I want all of you to know this. All right? Women have a fear of rejection. I'm not saying every woman is preoccupied with rejection. I'm not saying that's the only fear. These are not the only two. But I'm just giving you a couple of examples. Fear of rejection. Um, It's the worst form of fear, I think, many times of a woman, though, that they will be used, that they will be abused, and that they will be abandoned. They've seen it happen. Many of us grew up in a home where that happened to our mothers. Used, abused, and abandoned. And so we live with this fear that I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to be rejected. And it can be that a, a woman remains married. Maybe they're not abandoned physically, but they can remain married and be abandoned emotionally. Can be abandoned spiritually. Can be isolated. And they believe that their partner, who they chose to love and depend on, will eventually tire of the relationship and, and find some satisfaction or, 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 or somewhere else. And they're fearful that they will have wasted their affection and their commitment on someone who will ultimately reject them. Many times this comes based off past experience, their own experience, or others that they've seen. So we live in this fear of being unloved. And, and God has created this created need inside of us, uh, and inside of all of us and women, so that we'll be drawn toward our Husbands, women, be drawn to their husband. God's word commands that a husband love his wife in the same way, and the same intensity, and the same commitment as Jesus Christ loves the church. And so when you sacrifice, even small things and big things, but when you sacrifice for your wife, you say, you're worth it to me. You're valuable to me. You won't be rejected because you're too valuable to be rejected. Women also have a fear of refuge. Say it that way, of security or safety. Many women, uh, w- women look for a man that will fight for them. And uh, sometimes in life it does come to that. Uh, they look for a knight in shining armor, and that's a good thing, because men are wired to be sort of a knight in shining armor. That's how we're made. And so uh, we, uh, we look for someone. But Satan has a target on the heart of your wife, on the heart of your woman. Satan has a target on them. And she bears God's image and her beauty and her strength and her vulnerability and her mercy but has a villain called Satan who hates her for it. She is created in God's image and Satan hates the image of God. And so he begins to attack her and he begins to fight her. And men, instead of of being on the other side of this battle, we, we sacrifice and be on her side of the battle and battle with her against the enemy and see, we're in a position to do that because we know them better than anyone else we know their vulnerabilities we know their weaknesses we know their strengths and we know where they could be uh, a target and so we're able to come in and and sacrifice for them and help build those up and we know the specific ways that she's being opposed many times it can be comparison to others Women may be comparing themselves to other women uh, or other families. And so that can be self-defeating sometimes because guess what? Nobody else's uh, family, nobody else's marriage is as good as it looks on Facebook or uh, or Instagram. (laughs) They're not that good. You only see the very best. Usually on social media, you see the very best or you only see the very worst because some people air it all out, all right? But most people put the best up. And you see that and you want to compare yourself to that. And so men, we sacrificially offer words of encouragement. We go out of our way. We, we put aside our agenda to help them in that. Maybe self-image is another way. And so we, we intentionally, sacrificially build them up with words of encouragement. Maybe it's wounds from the past that they bring with them. And so we sacrificially try to support them in those areas and help them understand God's love because it comes straight through us to them. And so... A wife wants this place of refuge, a place where they know someone is on their side. They have somewhere to be safe and also to be secure and to be safe with provision, to, to provide man, men, that sacrificially to provide for our family. I heard about a, a man that was getting a cold shoulder from his wife for a few weeks and he finally went to her and sort of confronted her on it and he said, just admit it, Linda, he said, the only reason you married me is because my grandfather left me $50 million. And she said, don't be ridiculous. I don't care who left you $50 million. So, anyway, you know, we have this responsibility of provision. Some of you later. All right. So we have this responsibility of, of provision. And, and to be hardworking and to meet that need. And many times it is a sacrifice. Uh, and, and sometimes in, in, in today's world, it can take working A really hard job. It can take working two jobs. It can take doing different things to sacrifice for our family. So we don't have to be rich, but we should be diligent in our work, men, as we love our wife sacrificially. Uh, That's a, a fear that they can have. This fear of rejection, this fear of refuge. And so our sacrifice says to them, you're valuable. You're worth it. Just like Jesus said, you're valuable and you're worth it. Now, you may be like the husband who went missing. And his wife went to the police station after some time and uh, went with her next-door neighbor to file a missing person. And the policeman said, can you describe your husband? She said, well, he's 45 years old. He's six 6'3", 185 pounds, very athletically built, has blue eyes, blonde hair, soft-spoken, and is really good with children. Her neighbor looked at her and said, your husband's 5'3", chubby, bald, and has a big mouth, and he's mean to all the kids. And the wife said, well, who wants him back? <laughs> and, uh, you know... Nobody would want that back, right? So all the husbands out there, let me ask you something. If you went missing, would your wife want you back? They look forward to you coming home because there's a sacrificial love there. Would you be wanted back? Look, be the spiritual leader of your home. That's the greatest sacrifice you can make. It doesn't mean you have to be a superstar Christian, but you lead as a servant in your home sacrificially. And you think of others before you think of yourself. You admit your wrongs and you model brokenness and humility before your wife and your family. Husbands, we show our love to our wife with sacrificial love. Sacrific- sacrifice. Now, let's talk to the wives for just a few minutes, all right? Uh, wives, love your husbands, here's the word, respectfully. 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 And and I'll put out to the side of that, you also could say honorably, respectfully or honorably. And you'll see both of those words in Scripture depending on what context or what uh, version of, of, of Bible you may be reading from. But just like husbands are told to specifically sacrifice for their wives as modeled by the sacrifice of Christ, wives are told to specifically respect their husbands as the church does Christ. Look at Ephesians 5.33. Paul said, however, let each one... Of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Respect is so important. Now, a, a fellow named Emerson Egridge has written a lot, lot of series of books on this about about loving your love and respect is sort of his thing. And so, this does tie into that. He he goes into a lot of detail on it. But when you say when you respect your husband, here's what you're saying to your husband. You're saying to your husband that you are trustworthy. You're trustworthy. You say, I I, I trust you when you respect your husband. We'll talk about how we do that. But the best way to know, I think it was Ernest Hemingway said, the best way to know if you can trust someone is to trust them. And wives, when you trust your husband, it's a sign of respect. And it builds them up like nothing else. We, we have this created need inside of us to be respected. And so when you do things that disrespect your husband, it tears down that relationship. It doesn't show the love. Respect won't exist unless trust first exists. So we have to have a certain level of trust before we can have respect. And, and you put yourself out there when you do this. There's no doubt about it. But isn't that what marriage is all about? You put yourself out there because trust is giving permission to someone else to heal you or to hurt you. Because when you put yourself out there, you're vulnerable. And when you respect someone and you trust them, and when I say trust, I mean I mean you're trusting them physically, emotionally, spiritually. You're putting it all out there and you trust someone. They can heal you from, from past wounds or things in your life or they can hurt you as well you can't have one without the other it's it's a risk there's no doubt about it but respect shows a man that his wife loves him um and there's many times when it's not easy for a wife to give us husbands respect uh unfortunately men many times we're really good at sort of messing that up aren't we (laughs) we are And, and i would say this to to the to the wives uh I know your husband's not perfect, I'm not perfect, he's he's not perfect, Uh, he's not even close to perfect, and guess what, he knows that as well, he knows that, he doesn't have to be told or or shown in a disrespectful way that he's not perfect, he already knows that, believe me, he knows it, he's not delusional, we know we're flawed, Uh, we may not be quick to admit it out loud. But we know it, and um, but just like you wouldn't want to be defined by your imperfections, neither does a husband want to be defined by their imperfections. And so, uh, there's ways to press through that and, and continue to trust and continue to, um, and, and continue to respect in spite of that. And so, the respect that a husband longs for should not be based on his performance. But it should be based on the fact that it pleases God when we show respect, it, it, not based on his performance, because we're, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna get it right. And uh, and my wife had this revelation at one point. She looked at me, and she I was she was mad at me. I'd done something stupid, whatever. And she looked at me, and she said, "You're not a woman. <laughs> That's right. I'm a man, and men and women are different, right?" And so you can't expect a man to, uh, to be just like you. We complement one another, and that's the strength that we have. So let's understand that. So it's not based upon their performance. It's based upon the fact that it pleases God. And we all like to de-emphasize our own weaknesses and capitalize on our strengths, emphasize our strengths, don't we? No one just runs right out there. Nobody puts their weaknesses all over their resume, do they? You put your strengths on the resume. And then if somebody asks you for a weakness, you just try to give them one little thing that you hope won't hurt the impression too bad, right? So we all like to de-emphasize our weaknesses and emphasize our strengths. And we should give our spouses the same consideration. We really should. My husband wants me to respect him for who he is and not necessarily always for what he does. Respect him for who he is. See, men have needs. Um, They have a need to be publicly admired. They have a need for physical intimacy. And when you respect them, it it meets those needs for them. And it it honors them in a way that will bring out the very best in them. That that is what we all want to see, the very best. So men have two great fears as well. Let me share them with you very quickly. Men have a fear of failure. There's not a man in this room today that's not afraid to fail. We are. Now, we know failure is part of moving forward, and you have to learn from your failures, but nobody wants to fail. We, all, we have this, this desire to succeed. And so we're taught to be achievers. We're sort of born that way. Uh, we're taught to be goal-oriented, to accomplish things. And many times, men, as we move into a relationship, we look at it as a, as a success or a failure. Many times you may be pursuing this woman of your dreams, and... you know the chase is on right and many times the woman she she likes to be chased and so the chase is on and then when 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 you get engaged or when you become married all of a sudden you believe that you have accomplished something that success has been met that 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 i haven't failed i have i have landed this and 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 achieved the goal that you get the woman uh that you love to marry you you think mission complete but guess what the mission is not complete the mission's really on just beginning right it's, it's just beginning. And so we, we can equate disappointing you to him being a, a disappointment and a fear that drives him. And so many times, men, we sort of quit because we think the failure is past. But Look, failure is always just a step or two away if we don't do things God's way. It's just a step or two away. So, men, let this fear of failure sort of drive you. Women, help your husband be successful Within the marriage context and even outside the marriage context, let them feel like they're worth a million bucks and that they are valuable in that way. See, your husband desires to know more than anything that you respect him, that you trust him, that gives him a foundation to work from, to go out and to be successful in in family and life. And He wants to know that you believe in him, that he has wisdom and he has talent to succeed. So tell him that. Say that to him. Build him up. Man, I think about, I love Andy Griffith. I think about Barney Pipe. When Thelma Lou would say something to him. You know how puffed up he'd get? Boy, he'd start feeling good. Well, that's exactly, that's a great example. Build them up. And once that respect factor is there, they will begin to flourish in the ways that God has gifted them. Look, a man wants to be the hero. We're born with that, to be the hero. You want to feel like you're worthwhile and like he's needed by you. He wants to know that you celebrate him, that you depend on him, that you feel like you're privileged to be married to him, that you're a lucky girl to be married to him. You let him know that, and it will build him up to the point to where guess what will begin to happen? He will begin to feel good enough about himself. His needs are sort of being met, and all of a sudden, he'll begin to sacrifice for you. And all of this will start working in concert. Your husband likes to know that you're praying for him. Your husband likes to know that you're rooting for him assuring him that he still has what it takes to be the man of your dreams. Men have a fear of being a failure. And if you can respect them and honor them in such a way to help them dispel that fear, then your love will come forward. Men also have a fear of being controlled. Let's say it very quickly. So when your husband feels like he's being controlled, he'll eventually shut down completely and he'll relegate his role of leadership. Because if he's not really being allowed to lead, if he's just being controlled, then you just give up and you say, why even try? Happens all the time. And so I think wives sometimes we have to understand that your husband is not your son. You're not his mother. That's not the role that you have. He's he's not a boy. He doesn't need to be mothered. And when you try to control someone, uh, that's a sign of disrespect to him. It says, I don't trust you. I have to control you. And that will break down a marriage. That will break down love within a marriage. And so we have to um, fight against that. So think of it like this. Riding a bike. One pedal is sacrificial love. The other pedal, we're, we're riding a tandem bike. The other pedal is respect. Sacrifice, respect. Sacrifice, respect. And when one begins to pedal on one side, the other pedals on the other side, and all of a sudden, guess what happens? You get momentum. You get momentum in your marriage. Respect, sacrifice, respect, sacrifice, respect, sacrifice. And all of a sudden, the momentum begins to happen in your marriage. And all of a sudden, great things begin to happen, and we begin to experience love as God intended for us to experience love here on earth. It's the most intimate and powerful form of love is in that marriage relationship. Respect, sacrifice, respect, Sacrifice. But if someone stops pedaling, husbands, you stop sacrificing. Wives, you become disrespectful, not trusting. All of a sudden, the pedaling gets harder on the other side, right? It's hard to pedal a bike with one side. And now you lose momentum. And now the bike begins to slow down. And it becomes very difficult to even keep balance. And all of a sudden, there comes a point where you realize, this box out of control. We're barely moving, and we're going to fall over. And then when you get to that point, what happens is we either quarrel, we get into a fight over it all. You hadn't been doing your part. You hadn't been doing your part. Probably both are failing. Um, we we quake. One person just gives up on the other person. Either the husband gives up into the wife, or the wife gives into the husband, or we quit. And too often it's what happens. We quit on our marriages. And we give up on the greatest expression of love that God has given us. Now I'm going to say something right here just as I finish that's going to shock you. We need more divorces. Now not a divorce that's legal. Not to leave one relationship to carry the same baggage to the next relationship. That's not what we need. Here's what we need. We need a divorce. Some people do. We need a divorce from the way we have been carrying out our marriage, and we need a fresh start in the same marriage with the same person. But we divorce this past, and we put it behind us as a couple. We we divorce ourselves from the wrong and, and the bad way that it's been going. We divorce ourselves from that. And instead of trying to start over with someone new, won't you start over with the one God's already given you? All all we do is carry the same issues to the next marriage many times. And they come right back up again. Now maybe we've learned enough how to deal with them the next go around. But we need more divorces. Divorces that end one way of life and a marriage and begin a new one with with the same person. God wants you to experience love in your marriage. Many of you have experienced that greatly. Many of you have lost a spouse, and so even some of this brings warm memories to you, but also maybe painful memories as well. Some of us right now, we're we're pumping the bike. Man, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. It's hard. She's not respecting me, so I'm not sacrificing. He's not sacrificing, so I'm not respecting. And it's a vicious cycle, and there's no momentum in the marriage. And some of you one day will be able to look at this and go, I understand now how the love relationship works within a marriage to make sure That when your time comes to say, I do, and to give those vows of love and honor and respect, that you know how to carry that out. Let's pray together. As we just take a moment and be still before God. We're going to give you a chance to respond today. Some of you are here by the providence of God. I've got no doubt of that. Some of you are here today because maybe your child was in BBS. Um, maybe you didn't know you was going to be here today, didn't plan to be here today. Maybe you had something else, and, or maybe somebody invited you, or maybe somebody even twisted your arm, and here you are. And you've landed here at Smoke Rise on Sunday morning to hear that God loves you and that His Son Jesus sacrificed it all for you. Maybe today, the first step in knowing this kind of love and experiencing this kind of love is just to step out and come and know God through His Son, Jesus. We'll give you an opportunity to do that today. If you're here today and you don't know Him in the first place, you can't, Henry said it earlier, you can't experience that, you can't give that love until you know that love. But I bet there's some couples in the room today And men, we haven't been sacrificing for our wives like maybe we once did or like we should. Wives, we've been not respecting our husband like we should for who he is. God made him who he is. He gave him to you. He's your man. He's your knight in shining armor, but he needs your respect. When you talk down to him or you talk about him in poor ways before other people, it hurts, it it erodes that love may be some couples in this room today You just need to come and find just a spot here in the altar and have a divorce. <laughs> just, just divorce the past. Maybe even divorce what happened this morning on the way to church trying to get here. Divorce it and start afresh with the same man and the same woman. Maybe today you're here and you want to come and pray for a spouse or pray for a future spouse. Begin to lift that person up in prayer that God may bring your way at the right time when you're ready and they're ready. There's all kind of opportunity here today to respond. And, and, and this is a time of worship and worship is when we respond to who God is. And so God is love. And so we respond to him in love to live well you got to love well today if you hadn't been living so well you need to learn to love well I'm gonna give you that opportunity to come maybe husbands you just need to reach out grab your wife by the hand maybe it's been a while since you made your way down the altar maybe it's been since you were married since you've been to the altar together that's not good Come and humble yourself before God. It could be the start of something fresh and brand new. Don't quit. Don't quarrel. Don't quake. Today, some of you even need to come now. Just before we even stand to sing this worship song, just come now. Just stand up and just come on. Come on, don't delay. I have any doubt there's people in this room today that God has spoken to you. opportunity pass you by.